Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm enjoying an, a sparkling antioxidant infusion. You're going to knock that rust right off. You bet. Also joining us, a man who is probably full of oxidants in his own right, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Oxidants have always been good to me. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I'll join us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I think it's too hot for uh, for anything to oxidize down here. I don't really know how oxidants work, but it's it's hotter than the sun. So you're assuming you're just only so far from the atmosphere itself catching fire. That's that's exactly correct. Uh, having been in East Tennessee recently, I concur. Well, here's what I'm saying: is first of all, antioxidants. Second of all, you know what's working great for me? Tell me. Fish pills. Sure, everybody loves fish pills. Oh, yeah, pills. Up, update on the on the new Omega-3s. How are we doing? I feel like a million bucks. In the pool okay. every day. And I could probably hold my breath for longer underwater. Okay. <laughs> it's basically like being Aquaman. Sure, sure. That's pretty sweet. Fish pills. Sure, everybody loves fish pills. You got to get, get on the fish do pills. Do you command yeah. the loyalty of wildlife now? Pretty much. I mean, I haven't tried it, but it feels like I do. Fair right. Okay. On that basis, I declare an emergency! <laughs> Is it on that basis, Glenn? No, it's not. Is it related to the fish pills? No, not in any way. Well, possibly. Now, here's what we got. We we're we got a political season that we're in right now. I hadn't noticed. Goodness, politics. Okay. Okay. Now here's here's what happens is the the politicians have figured out. Here's what you do. You go on TV. You say something ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) And people put you on TV. Boom, president. Right, okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, that last part remains to be seen, but... (laughs) Here's what I'm saying. I want to get in on that racket. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I am worried. (laughs) So here's what I'm saying. This is what I'm going to do, and brace yourself. I'm going to pivot. Uh-oh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I am going to pivot. Okay. Big pivot. On anything in particular? I'm not... Not I haven't worked that out yet. So okay. well, for our international friends and our uh, U.S. friends who value their sanity and don't follow the politics as closely as some of us, um, pivot would be the term for uh, – in America, we have uh, primary elections where you, each party nominates our candidate. So the thing on that is got to say a lot of crazy stuff to appeal to just your base on the fringe. Right. And then you hope nobody noticed. So when running a general election, you – kind of go back on that stuff and you go for the middle right what has been termed the pivot that's yeah. right and there's someone and we're not going to get our names on this who's been threatened uh, one major political candidate has been threatening to pivot for what seems like about six months now and yeah it, it hasn't come but to glenn's point it gets a lot of press coverage that's right is this the pivot sure are is, we pivoting is, is there... he pivoting forward is he pivoting... did he go too far on the pivot do the full 360 and now he's back where he started right <laughs> it's triple and... sow cow they call that <laughs> and so that's I want to get in on that. Okay. Okay. You feel like that's where the attention and the coverage is? Yeah. Is yeah. in the pivot. Yeah. Well, should we maybe focus group workshop a few things you could pivot on? Sure. Kind of see you know sure. kind of where we sure. where we land. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's start at the top. You've had a long-standing feud with Joel Osteen. Right. Had a lot of uh, very pointed things to say. Right. About Mr. Osteen. Been contentious. A lot of right. beef. Absolutely. Right. Beef has been on. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. In this moment, as you pivot. What are your opinions on Joel Osteen today? Uh, General election candidate, Glenn. <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, he, he's... Keep in mind, we need this podcast to win Hamilton County, Ohio, or we don't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, he seems very sincere and okay. earnest. Sure. And his teeth are very white. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know... That's I'm not buying the pivot there. That's not much of a pivot, is it? No, no. I don't really know what's involved in pivoting. Here's the thing, Glenn. I think the part you need to embrace, and I don't either, um, but I'm going to give you advice. It's never stopped me before. I think the thing we really need to embrace is (laughs) you can pivot as hard as you want. Right. Because if people don't like it, you just pivot back. Oh. The pivot only has to last through one CNN segment. Right, 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 right. Well, I got one issue I feel very strongly about. Tell me. I think this is a pivot. Okay. I'm okay. not sure if it's a pivot. Uh, but one of the hot issues right now, immigration. 
Sure. Okay. Yes. I'm going to pivot. I refer to my previous statement of being very worried. Yeah. Now here's the problem we have with uh, with the uh, with the immigration is illegal yes. aliens. Okay. That, that is okay. in no way, shape, or form the preferred nomenclature. Yes. Let me tell you a story. What happens? I've seen the documentaries. Okay. Here's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. The These a- aren't Dinesh D'Souza documentaries, are they? This is what I'm saying yeah. is they're sending the worst of them over here. Okay. I'm talking Mars. I'm talking J- Jupiter. <laughs> Okay. I'm talking your interdimensionals. Okay. They're bringing over their murderers. Right. Their exploders. Yeah. Um, their Glenn, mind controllers. Yeah. Are you thinking of XCOM? Yeah. The, the, Glenn, I don't mean to catch you in your pivot, yeah. but um, when, when you say documentary, do you have any titles handy? Uh, Like your uh, uh, Independence Day. Right. Ancient Clearly. Aliens, possibly. Yeah. You know. A video game named XCOM, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, also, Anything that ran on the Fox Network in the late nineties. <laughs> well, and what here's here's what it is. They're trying to control our minds. Right. Okay. 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 And they uh, they'll they will snatch your body right. and replace you with an exact duplicate. Right. That's part of the hive. They're like a body snatcher. That's right. Well, can okay. we can can we talk about some policy? You know, stance uh, as far as your pivot goes. Can everybody get? A cigar, punch an alien in the face, and say "Welcome to Earth." That's yeah. I think that's. I would vote for that in in my in in my administration. That's what's gonna because I saw in this one documentary, aliens blew up the White House. Okay, okay. okay. I don't like that. Right, right. <laughs> that's what happens. You're against when, that. That's what happens when illegal aliens come right. in because right. what they're doing is illegal. It's illegal to blow up the White House. It is. Okay, it is. you can't do that. That's yes. illegal aliens. The British tried it. Yes. We didn't right. take kindly to that. We didn't take kindly so to, to that. Be, to be crystal clear, though, you're not referring to undocumented immigrants. No, they're fine. Okay. That's fine. That's okay. lovely. That's actually not a problem. Uh, we're at a 40-year low of immigration on the country, okay. so that's fine. Okay. I'm talking about from with flying saucers. Right. Oh, well, and that they, would be wrong. They, 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 Ray look, guns. They, they come here, they're exploding stuff. Right. Pretty much every time. Right, right. A lot of people say, isn't that prejudice against outer space aliens? You know what? Uh the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I think this is great. I'd love to stop talking about it right now, even though I think it's great. Um, but I think where we're, where we're missing a trick here is, you know, you've been on the podcast and the, on your blog, which is very popular. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you try to be helpful. You try to be, you know, uh, considerate and measured for the people. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we haven't done a good enough job setting you up for the pivot. Right. Because on some level, you want to go as crazy as you can. Right. So when you pivot, people say, well, he, he seems very uh, buttoned down and very statesmanlike. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So I wonder if we might need to establish some crazy things you can say and then immediately pivot from. Okay. So okay. let's uh, build a wall around the Presbyterians. Oh, that's good. And make uh-huh. them pay for it, which will be the hard part of the Presbyterian wall. <laughs> Uh, but then <laughs> I don't really believe oh, that. Oh God, the truth just came <laughs> flowing down. But, then, but see, then you got to say that. But then you can pivot away from it. Say, well, we, you know, well, my I, position has evolved. I think and- there should be a path to Presbyterians get, go, taking a path to fellowship. A, pa- a, path, to, a path to fellowship. A path to fellowship with the Presbyterian. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm saying yes. there should still be a wall around them. Yes, sure. But you know, that's uh, you know, I, uh, we have to be humane. Right. And uh, that kind of thing. Sure, you know, sure. Understanding of the issues. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You've taken a lot of famous stands about your position on soul ties, but right. are you ready to bring soul ties back to the United States? Yeah. Um, I uh, uh, I wish I could say yeah. Um, uh, uh, oh, people. People, say, I've got it. Pivot me. Uncle Glenn is going to make dating great again. Yes! <laughs> Uncle Glenn, I'm making dating great again yes you know what i mean yes that's uh, i'm talking about secretary of roller skating yep i'm talking about the ministry of ice cream floats yes i'm, I'm talking we don't win at dating anymore people that's no. we are we're losing at dating you know what the chinese look at our dating and they laugh that's right <laughs> you 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 young christians are going on so many dates under uncle glenn you're gonna be sick of dating that's right and that's gonna happen starting on day one that's right <laughs> This dating just got ten feet higher. Yeah, I don't really know what how to pivot very well. It's okay. You're trying. I, you this got is a lot my of first heart. pivot. I you have, got a lot of heart. Okay, well, you know. Okay, I think again. I think we can dial this in. I think so. Uncle Glenn wants to make dating great again. I think yep. that's perfect. Yeah. So you open with 
what a, st- a, st- a stance you have actually pr- proposed before on this show and in real life when no one was recording anything so we know it wasn't a bit uh compulsory going into the singles group yep. and locking the door yep. and threatening physical harm on any young man who doesn't that's ask right. a young lady out that's yeah. right so that's, that's where we start uncle Glenn right. is going to make you date whether you like it or not yeah. Yeah. That, vote for me you Someone will date you. There you yes. go. By force. See, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to get the coverage. Like, can he even do that? Is that even right. under the powers of the right. czar of dating or whatever? Right, right, right. But then, but all the all the the mothers at all the church are going to like that. Maybe, That's yeah, right. Maybe this is our dude. That's right. But then we can pivot and oh. say, well, I still think dating is very important, and right. I stand by that. But I'll let you choose. Right. Whether or not you want to go on a date, right. even though there'll be tax incentives for those who do choose to date, right? Yeah. So right, you got right, the right. people. The mom still likes you because you're right. you're super. You know, you speak your mind about dating, right? right but then right. the people in the middle say, "Oh, I don't know about forcing people." Oh, well, he he just thinks dating is very important to our national security. Right. That sounds that sounds nice and comforting. Right. I think we've got a winner. Here. I think we do have a winner because uh, I think it's important to pivot. Yeah. Sure. And uh, to say whatever uh, people uh, you know want to hear. Yeah. As we were clear in our last podcast, we are not above that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, because what we want is a sweet, sweet podcast numbers and baked That's goods. Right. And baked goods. And we Clearly. have a, a serious uh, Nate Silver slash data analysis that says the more sweet, sweet numbers. The more baked goods. Oh yeah, vote that, Unk twenty sixteen. That's very important to us. So on that basis, I declare a pivoting to an emergency off. Oh, you did it! You did it! I pivoted. You pivoted! So I pivoted yeah. it on, then I pivoted it back. Oh, well on. executed. I think Pivot. I pi- I finally got it in at the end. Very presidential. Thank you, Jed. Indeed, a well-executed pivot, if ever there was one. Well, one thing we never want to pivot away from is Bridgebox. Oh, nice. It didn't really work, but I feel like the the words in it. That was good. You pivoted towards it. That's right. Bridgebox, as you probably know, is our monthly subscription media service. You get a lot of cool stuff for yourself: uh, songs, sermons, writings, lots of encouraging stuff based around a topic. September's topic is how do I forgive myself. Obviously, very important for all of us. We got a lot of cool stuff to help you get encouraged on that and to help you with other people. If you run a small group, if you have friends, if you just want to do some Bible study for yourself, there's a lot of materials in there. And the most important part is the $8 a month that costs you goes directly to fund the work we're doing up here in Chicago behind bars on the streets, reaching out to folks. And included in every Bridgebox is also a giving letter with a cool story about the stuff. The hundreds of people around the world who support Bridgebox are banding together to do the good work right here in the city of Chicago. So check all that out at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you want to get in touch with this, I'll give you some ways at the end where you can get a hold of us. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, I know God is bigger than my problems, and I can cast my cares on him, but right now I'm struggling. I'm in my late 20s, going back to school to get my bachelor's, all while trying to save up enough for my own place, pay bills, transition to the next stage of life, etc. I read somewhere that Jesus is the answer to everything. I want to believe that, but it's hard when most of my thoughts are about how much money I need to make and the cares of this world that I don't want to get swept up in. Can I help a little help on this? And Lee, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for uh, writing us in on this question. Um, we do uh, we do care about this kind of stuff, and, and, and glad you reached out to us. So the thing about all these kind of Christian cliche phrases like this is they are there's there's something in there that's true but if you try to if you try to kind of pull this as a blanket over your whole life it's just kind of too reductive to kind of get you through the the actual stuff you're facing on a day-to-day basis and 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 as you lined out in your question your life is complex and these kind of christian billboardy statements don't really deal with subtle nuance complex you know real life and so that's what we want to look at. And what, what you've basically got is you've got kind of some overwhelming circumstances. You've got some big questions. And so anytime you've, to me, um, when, when I'm looking at a situation like this from a counseling perspective, anytime you've got something that's overwhelming, what we want to do is break it down. And we want to get some goals. We want to take something that's 
huge and unmanageable and try to make it manageable. Now there's tons of cool ways you could do that. If it was if it was me and we were kind of sitting down one-on-one kind of looking at this, I would say let's get a whiteboard, some whiteboard markers and we're going to just kind of make a couple axes across of it and say, across the top of it and say, "All right, here's our here are some have tos that I've got to do. Here are some want tos that I want to see happen. Here are some some uh, huge things that scare the crap out of me, and I'm going to just start listing all the the things that that I can put in all of those categories. And then I'm going to try to make some goals off of that stuff, some actionable, you know, accomplishable goals to deal with the stuff I've got to do. So you were saying kind of. The bills I've got to pay, the uh, the money I've got to get coming in for rent and all that kind of stuff, um, the you know the hours I'm working at my job or the 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 classes that I'm taking in school, whatever those situations are, the things I'd like to see happen, going out with friends, going on dates, that kind of stuff, uh, the stuff that scares the crap out of me, you know, the the big kind of unanswerable questions. I'm gonna list kind of get all of that stuff out so I can see everything, and then tr- try to figure out some goals as far as accomplishing little pieces of it at a time. Now, one of the things that for me in a situation like this, that is, it, it actually works with the Jesus is the answer kind of thing, but in a way that you wouldn't think about. Jesus is obviously the answer for our life. Jesus paid for our sins. He's our ticket to heaven. He's a, he's the one who is, it promises to walk with us through our life, to give us wisdom and, and, and courage and, and faith and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, Jesus lives in your other believing friends, and he and one of the ways that he can be the answer for you on this is that you take the very courageous step of reaching out to somebody, somebody in your church, somebody in your friend group, somebody somebody who's maybe older than you, who has a great walk with the Lord, who's been through some of this stuff before. And this is a tough thing to do because of the vulnerability of just reaching out to somebody and saying, I need help. Uh, I've got a big complex life that's scaring the crap out of me, and I got a lot of things I need to look at, and I just need help kind of sorting through it. Will you kind of enter into this mess and help me make some sense out of it? Help me kind of organize my thoughts, help me to kind of figure out where this money needs to go and this kind of stuff and how much I need to make and everything. It's 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 hard for me to ask this because it makes me feel, you know, exposed or something like that. But one of the really cool things about Jesus actually being the answer for us in our lives is that when a team of believers get together with a single focus together and they put their their hearts and they put their compassion and they put their wisdom and their and their smarts together uh, and, and focus on solving a problem it's really really cool what a few of us putting our our heads and our hearts together can get done and i would just encourage you to to reach out as hard as it is to be vulnerable to reach out to somebody invite them into what feels like this huge mess and see if they can't help you start to solve the problem and make this kind of in more bite-sized chunks. I think that's mm-hmm. a really good place to start, and Jed, I'd love to throw it to you on that. Um, this, what our friend just going through here is frustrating. We all know that because it's actually something we've all dealt with, and it's something Jesus speaks to directly. Kind of the biggest, uh, the kind of the big marquee sermon that Jesus gives about worry is almost all about money yeah, and worrying about things you have, and that's, of course, in Matthew 6. But one of the big things he lands on is something that Elise pointing to the importance I've led to each unpack further is uh, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough worries of its own. And that's, it's not only good advice, it's actually kind of the schema through which we have to understand this stuff, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. We're, we're sorry for all the troubles you're facing and the stuff you're, you're going through. And if you're like me, one of the things you want to be able to do is just hit the fast forward button and just kind of speed mm-hmm. through whatever you got to go through and just get to the other side yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, but life doesn't work that way. You know, not only um, does life, you know, move at the speed it moves at, but you can only deal with today. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, and that's part of why Jesus is telling you not to worry about tomorrow is you can't live tomorrow today. You, can, you right. can only deal with today. You can, per what Lee is very wisely suggesting, you can make plans for tomorrow and you can make strategies for tomorrow. You can get wisdom for what we're going to do different tomorrow. But those are all things you're doing today. You can right. you can only That's live exactly today. Right. So what do we what do we do with that? I think part of what we recognize is we need a whole lot of strength. Um, Lee's giving you some great advice. I, I echo and second all of it. Um, and it's a lot of work. 
Mm-hmm. There's no way around that. And it's, I'm guessing, based on a couple of details in your question, it's a lot of work that feels unfair that you should have to do to begin right. with. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine, again, if you're like me, it's, I don't want to. And I shouldn't right. have to on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's unfair. And if you feel that way, man, do I, am I, I'm right there with you. I, mm-hmm. I totally get that. But of course, um, we don't live in a fair world and this is what's before you. So if we're going to move forward, which you're already in the motion of doing, then we need strength because it's exhausting and it's a lot of work. You know, we talk at the bridge all the time about, we get concerned when a brother comes and says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Everybody's right. blessed and anointed. Right. It's like, okay, that dude, he's not being honest about a situation. When a dude comes in and he's dragging and you're like, how are you doing, man? It's like, man, it's been a long week. It's just, right. it's tough, man. That's actually a dude who's doing well because right, right, he's right. doing the stuff that he needs to be doing, but he's being right. honest and he's facing things head on. A person that's working hard is worn out. Right, right, this right, is right. this is the thing of it, you know. Um, so given that, we need strength. And when people talk about Jesus being the answer, part of what they mean is that Jesus is the source for strength. Right, um, yeah. uh, the strength that you need, God doesn't intend for you to generate by willpower and gritted teeth. He intends for you to come to him every day and say, Lord, I don't have it in myself yep. to do all this. But more importantly, you don't want me to do it out of my own strength anyway. And I don't have to. I need a supernatural energy and strength and empowerment from you to face these challenges today, to to be the person I need to be today. And I can tell you from personal experience, he's prepared to meet you in that moment. He's prepared to give you that strength, give you that energy. Uh, Last thing, uh, he loves you. We love you. We believe in you. Um, uh, we'd love to, to be able to help sort out some of these details. Emails. Tell us more about your situation. We'd love to get in with, in, into it with you. That's totally right, and Glenn, I'd love to throw it to you to close it out on this. There's, it's easy to mock the idea of Jesus as the answer to everything. Yeah. Because it's not helpful. Right. Um, it's true, mm-hmm. but we need to pare it down to, um, as, as Lee is pointing out, the, the role of a good mentor and the role of some good advice is to help me figure out how Jesus is the answer to this situation. Because right. I'm in this situation. I'm not in all the situations. That's right. So how do we kind of get some focus going on that? Well, I I love the way you're phrasing that because really uh, I think we deal with a certain number of people like yourself who have, have a struggle where they've heard a cliche or as, as Lee put it, a, a billboard statement here. And they've assumed that that was really good and really deep wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're saying, I still have problems like believing that Jesus is the answer, so it must be something wrong with me, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Which we'll get into in a later question, but is in some ways the idea behind those to make you feel like you're the problem? That's the thing, is if I, if I come to you and you're counseling me and I say, uh, I, I'm worrying about a lot of things— the the first thing you think of to tell me is well don't no <laughs> uh, okay but that, it turns out that's not helpful at all you know it's the right thing for me to do but it's not in any way helpful or sympathetic or understanding or helping me to live it out you know to to accomplish it well you're absolutely right and it's worth it's worth taking a minute to think about where these kind of uh, as Lee put it exactly right billboardy kind of Christian book story advice comes from. There's a very well-known uh, fin- Christian financial advice system and guy, and his whole thing is for rich white people. I mean, it's literally, you need to think about how much of your paycheck you are putting in a savings account versus on credit cards and stuff. There's nothing particularly wrong with that advice. Everything I've read from this particular is functional advice, but it does not account for a world in which someone could have less income than they need to pay bills. That's right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, well, again, I'm keying off of what, what Lee is talking about, this idea of reducing your problem from something very complicated down to, it's just simple, Jesus is the answer, what have you. That's the kind of thing you say to someone when you don't know what to say, mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, and and that's okay. You may be talking to someone that's new, and that's you know we're, we're not going to hold that against that particular dude. Uh, but here's how I know that this person isn't uh, able or, uh, or in a position to give you good advice on that kind of stuff is that the advice that you're getting, even in its simplicity, is not quite on point. The yeah. the, the point is, if God is in you, then you are bigger than your problems. Mm. You know, yes, God is bigger than your problems, but you are too, because God is in you and God is working. As Jed was saying, God can do things through you, yep. you know, and so— right. Uh, being aware of that connection and deepening that relationship is is really exactly what 
discipleship ought to be about. How can I help this person get closer to the Lord? How can I help them draw strength from the Lord and tap into that and leverage it towards their problems? Uh, you, you say, you know, Jesus is the answer to everything. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that's, you know, yes, that's true. Uh, but that's not the the essence of your problem. The, what you are looking to focus on is Jesus being the answer to what if. Mm. What if I get this bachelor's degree and I can't find a job? What if I find a job but it doesn't make enough to where I can pay off these student loans? What if I put all my focus into my career and I don't find someone to get married with and whatever? What if, what if, what if, what if? Jesus needs to be the answer to those what ifs. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that in other words, um, you do not live in a world where things happen to you by the odds. You don't live in, in a world where, uh, uh, um, you know, the setup dictates the outcome. God dictates the outcome. If, if, if uh, what if you uh, get this degree and you're having problems finding a job? God will intervene and a job will appear. That's what if. That's what will happen. Uh, but uh, you know, seeing and recognizing that God is involved in the process from beginning to end, and that He is involved because He cares about you and He loves you, and and that you aren't laboring in vain is really more the 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 thing that we're we're yeah. we want to look at here to recognize that uh, that you aren't utterly on your own in this, and mm. I think that's what's being lost here. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's other. It's also worth pointing out as we close out here that, um, again, as Glenn pointed out, um, yes, Jesus is the answer to everything. That's not actually what I'm asking you, person I'm coming to for advice. <laughs> right. How is Jesus the answer <laughs> yeah, to this right. situation? That's right. That's because right. of my, situ- which my situation and problem is I don't have enough money, and you tell me Jesus is the answer— you're, in my mind, and I'm a certain kind of person, you're promising me that Jesus is going to show up with a big bag of cash outside my right. front door. Right. And if that doesn't happen, I feel like I should be owed some restitution from you as a That's person right. who That's right. tacitly yeah. informed me that was yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I was going, and as is, all this, this, is this advice come with a money-back guarantee? Exactly. As all these guys are pointing out, Jesus is the answer to every situation, but the uh, the discipleship, the wisdom part, is figuring out how and where and when. Yeah. So they're pointing out is that you know, he's going to give you the strength to get through this. He's going to give you the resources if you're on the right track. He's going to show you a different plan if this one isn't working out. Those are all useful. But again, one of the things, and so theme we come back to a lot of the podcasts worth pointing out, um, none of this is us telling you, and no one should be telling you, you are wrong to be worried. That's actually mm-hmm. not Jesus's point mm-hmm. in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about Think through why you're worried and realize how God answers this thing. He doesn't just he doesn't say don't worry about what you will wear. He says don't worry about what you wear because the clothes of the li- the lilies are clothed in the finest fields. He says don't worry about what you eat because God. You have to think about your relationship with God and who mm-hmm. you are to God yeah. and what He's doing. That's how we come to worrying. As we talk, we talked about a lot in the last episode. Just trying to skip to the not worrying doesn't actually get us anywhere. He's saying, you know, right. I have all these things that are begging my attention. It makes total sense. What we should be asking God for is some some peace and some wisdom so that we can put our attention on the right things. Right. And you're on the right path to that. It's actually, in a lot of ways, a much smaller tweak to your thinking than you'd think. We're happy to, if you want to follow up, we're happy to help you out more on that. All right, we're going to go to our next question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, On Sunday, I heard my pastor preach on David and Goliath, and he said that it was about gaining victory through Christ. And then he talked about claiming victory in our lives. Mm-hmm. You'll get your chance. Claiming victory over sin. Claiming victory in relationships. I've I've seen people try to do that, and it's not normally good for the relationship. Nope. Claiming victory in our work, once again. If you walk into your boss's office, <laughs> fl- start flipping things over and tell him you win work now. Eh. Uh, our studies, well. our future, and any n- other number of things. I'm confused here. What exactly does claiming victory mean? A very interesting question. Jed, why don't you start us off? <laughs> It's a great question. We're going to answer it. We're going to pull the camera back a little bit, though, because there's some terms that we need to define before we can... Well, let me give you a spoiler alert. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really mean much, but we can tell you what he's trying to say. But before we can do that, we're going to have to define some terms, pull the camera back a little bit. We're going to start by talking about something that isn't spiritual at all. It's just, Mm. it's a way that people think about the the world. The word is optimism. 
Now, mm. you've, you've heard that word before, but we need to be really, really precise about what optimism is. Optimism is a good thing. It's a valuable thing. It is linked generally to all kinds of better outcomes in life, better success, better health, all kinds of good stuff. If you want to read more about that, there's a, a very celebrated psychologist named Martin Seligman um, who's written extensively on that topic. He's a cool dude. Very interesting stuff. But optimism has to do with when good things occur the way you think about them and when bad things occur the way you think about them. That's, mm. that's what optimism is. And again, optimism is a good thing. It's not a spiritual thing, but it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. That's very different from baseless enthusiasm. Right. That is not the same as optimism. Right. The idea of just, it's going to be great. Right. Everything's going to be awesome. Right. That's actually baseless enthusiasm. Right. The, the idea of just, in all things at all times, I insist it'll be great and it'll work out and whatnot. <laughs> that's not optimism. If we ever write a parody movie about the Christian music industry, the band has to be called Baseless Optimism. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got optimism. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a positive thing. We have baseless enthusiasm, which feels good, but it's actually not a healthy thing. Will mm. not lead to good outcomes in life. Is not tethered to reality. Is not based on, on anything. Even though there's a lot of people that conflate those two things. They try and treat them like they're the same thing. They're not. They're not mm. the same thing. But again, neither of those are spiritual things in any way, shape, or form. Those are, mm. are just kind of viewpoints of the world. Let's look at spiritual stuff for a second now. Faith is a supernatural strength that we receive from God. It is not yeah. something we generate in ourselves. It's right. something we must receive from God, but it's mm. a special supernatural form of strength that we are given in order to trust God and the promises he's made when our eyes can't see the way that those promises would work out. Right. I'll give an example of what I mean. In our last episode, we talked a lot about where is God in the face of suffering. There's a promise in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 that says, For we know that in all things God works to the good of them who love him and them who are called according to his purpose. You've almost certainly heard that verse before, but if you haven't, it's a good one to know. That is a promise from God. God wants you as a believer to believe that promise. He wants you to have mm. faith that that is true because it's something he promises to you. And there will come times, you might be in the midst of some right now, where your eyes say, there's no way that could be true. Right. It goes to our first question today. There's no way that could be true. I can't see any way that God is going to use this awful thing and turn it in some way to my good. And in that moment, we need faith, that supernatural strength that comes from God to be able to trust that his promise is true, right. even when we can't see any way that it would be. Mm -hmm. That is what faith is. Yeah. That is very different from, as Glenn would put it, wishing. Yeah. Wish. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Wishing is, I hope this thing I want to see happens, happens. Right. Therefore, it will. Right. <laughs> that That is not faith in, in, right. a, in any way, shape, or form. Right. I won't even say that it's bad necessarily, right. but it's not faith yeah, at right. all. The, the term, another term that people would use for that, and, and perhaps more people in, in psychology would use, is magical thinking. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have beliefs that are just not tethered to reality. They, right, they are right. just there. I believe in magic in essence. Right. I want things. And in fairy tales where magic exists, me wanting things in some way just forces them to occur right. in, in the right. world. Right. Right. Um, and this is the thing. It makes for great fairy tales, but it's not the way the world works. And it's actually not what the Bible says at all, at all, at all. I tell you all that to tell you this many, many, many Christians kind of, Create a stew that's a little bit of optimism, which is a good thing, but not a spiritual thing. Baseless enthusiasm, which is not a particularly good thing and not a spiritual thing. Faith, which is a good thing and a necessary part of Christianity, but comes from God to believe promises God has made. And wishing slash magical thinking. They put all of that into a pot and they stew it together and they call it having faith. Right. They call it right. claiming victory. Mm -hmm. It is if you haven't noticed it, you, you're going to run into problems with that because these things actually all run in in different directions. That's right. So, what did your pastor mean when he talked about claiming victory? You know, David claimed victory over Goliath. We're going to claim victory in our lives, and whatnot. What he is trying it actually means nothing. Is what it mm -hmm. means. That's what right. he's trying to say is that if you choose to have an optimistic view of the world, things will generally go better for you, which is true. That's empirically mm -hmm. true. A little baseless enthusiasm wouldn't hurt, 
He's right. trying to suggest that, which I don't necessarily agree with, but, you know. Um, third, he's trying to suggest you should believe the promises God has made to you, and you should have faith that they are true, which mm. is true. Mm-hmm. And four, a little wish and never hurt anybody, right, which right, is right. super not true. Right, right. Um, it, the, the truth is that God expects us to go through a lot of failures. Um, there is victory in Jesus, but he, the path to ultimate victory in him goes through a lot a lot, a lot of failures. And what all of this kind of ends up for a lot of Christians, because again, they haven't done the work to understand what these words mean, is they've created a thing where they believe, if I declare something to be true, then it just happens. Right. And And if I have enough faith, it will... And if I declare it, it doesn't happen it's because I didn't have enough faith. But the thing for you to know is that mis- not only is that unbiblical, which it certainly is, that misunderstands what faith is, that misunderstands what wishing is, that misunderstands what baseless enthusiasm is, and it misunderstands what optimism is. Mm-hmm. So as we figure out what this all means for you, I want to be clear on what those words mean and what God does and doesn't want in your life as it pertains to that. I think it's a really good place to start. It's an important place to start this conversation. Lee, I'd love to throw it to you here. And I think uh, Jed really did a good job there claiming that this yeah. eh, doesn't really mean much. So I think, and I think Glenn will get to the other side of this, but there's essentially, if you break it down, two areas in which we could go here. One is this guy is using a buzzword to describe an actual biblical concept that's what's going on here. And two is a little more a little more underhanded, and like I said, we'll probably get into that later. But uh, let's go to the David and Goliath thing, Lee. I think this because I think this is the right uh, the right yeah. story to talk about this. If you were giving a lesson or giving a sermon about how David and Goliath teaches us about what it means to kind of have victory over the obstacles in our life, what would the theologically correct use of that example kind of look like? Yeah, because exactly as you're saying, there's there's a way that you can use this that a lot of people do. To just kind of tell you, just just decide it's yours and you, it's on. You know, you've yeah. got it, and exactly as Jed's saying. But there, there, as you're saying, there's another way to look at this, and 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 that other that other view is not the point of David's story. It's not the way the spiritual life works or anything like that. But when you do look at David's story, you do you, you can see a lot of parallels to the kind of lives that most of us live in the sense that that I am going to face down some things that are too big for me. And the way that every single person in that in in the David story saw this giant Goliath was they compared the giant to themselves, um, and and all of us are going to face things that that if I compare it to myself, I'm done. I mean, it's it's too big for me. It's going to take me out. Ten times out of ten, me versus this thing, I do not have the strength, I do not have the power, I do not have the ability, I do not have the the consistency, the courage, the awesomeness to overcome this struggle, whether that's whatever that thing would be, you know, if it was alcoholism, if it was my own selfishness, if it was whatever, ad nauseum, whatever those examples could be, this thing is too big for me. And then David steps in, and so everybody's quaking in their boots over there. And then David steps in, and he doesn't compare the the obstacle to himself. He compares it to God. And he says, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, the, the giant's too big for me. But when you compare this this thing that I'm facing to God, well, then it's not only, not only is it not big anymore, it's completely manageable. In fact, uh, it's not a big deal in any way. Um, I, I'm not going to try to face my struggles. I'm not going to try to face my obstacles. I'm not going to try to face the big things in my life alone. I'm going to face them in God's timing, in God's way, with God's power, going through God's will, using his word. I, I am going to do this whole thing God's way and, and through his operation, through his power. And when you, com- when you do that, then you see this you know, teenage kid taking out a nine and a half foot you know, tall giant. Um, the the one that an entire army is afraid of this this uh, you know basically middle schooler takes this dude out and so that this is the kind of thing that if you're if you're looking at this uh, with a kind of a correct view of 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 where this story is coming from well now this story has a lot to say to me because I do have problems that are too big for me and if I'm comparing them to myself I'm done already. But if I'm going to attack this in God's way, with his power, in his timing, the way that he is leading me through this, well, now nothing is too big, because if I'm comparing it to myself, it's huge. If I'm comparing it to God, it's not a big deal at all. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and I'll, I'll, 
backup what he's saying here because the actual the story of David and Goliath is in the book of First Samuel chapter seventeen, and the kind of the uh, the point the actual point of conversation is he's talking about there. Basically, Goliath is going back and forth in front of the the Israel, Israelite army every day, challenging anyone to kind of Game of Thrones style single combat, and so David. As Lee is pointing out, is not a soldier. He's bringing sacked lunches to his older brothers for our soldiers, and he kicks up on this. So he, and through what I think can only be described as some questionable choices in military leadership, all the commanders decide, yeah, we'll send this kid out to fight the giant. What could go wrong? Right. Um, so, but he finally gets out there, and Goliath does what he's doing the whole time, and that's kind of hurling insults on you, you sent a boy, and all this. And this is David's response, and. First Samuel seventeen forty seven, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. It's exactly what Lee's talking about there. This is, this is a point where it's not about me; it's about God. And mm-hmm. Glenn, maybe I get your breakdown for us because again, I think there are kind of two general ways this can be used, and I think Lee points us exactly to what's at the heart of the legit kind of, even if it's not well-described, scriptural theological case of there are things, it's ex- actually exactly as we talked about, and you talked about in the first question, there are things that are too big for you that are not too big for God. Right, so you can right. have victory in that. Absolutely. The other half of that, I think if we can diagnose the main difference of to the other case where, as Jed was pointing to, where someone may use this kind of rhetoric to make you feel bad, to hustle mm, you, to mm. get you put more on the plate, that is, as uh, also as you've talked about before, uh, the, well, the thing that's letting this whole thing down is you. You need to have more faith, claim more mm, victory. Mm. So what are the kind of things we can kind of set our tuning fork to to know when someone's making a good point a little with some weird words and someone is actually trying to do something harmful to us here? Well, yeah, I think the—I uh, think uh, specifically, anyway, in this case, what we're skipping over here is the battle part. Yes, and that does relate a bit to that first question of just kind of skipping to the end and not talking about the journey. David did not claim victory over Goliath until after he fought him and beat him. The and Lord will deliver you into our hands, throw, right. throw stone through head. Now he has. Now I have the victory because I cut the head off of the shoulder and held it up for everybody to see. That's when you got the victory. You can claim the victory because you had that, the victory. That's when David had victory. That's not how we declare victory in our own lives right, for the right. most part. Don't If you have a problem with it, someone in your small group... Kind of urgent telegram from the Say That Legal Department on that one. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, the battle is the part you don't want to skip over. Yeah. And that's I don't like somebody skipping over that part. And here's why. Because... <laughs> um, because uh, 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 I have struggles in my life, and they are very difficult to deal with, and I need encouragement and, and strength and exhortation to fight that battle. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me, just claim the victory, yeah. um, how does that work? Does, yeah. does David go to Goliath and say, I win? Yeah. I declare I win. <laughs> and Goliath says, okay. And then, but, well, what if the David— The Israeli army, oh, why didn't we think of that? Yeah. I you know, could have well, been king. Well, what if if David had a lot of faith? Would that change—no, it wouldn't change anything. That's yeah. You have to fight the battle anyway, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, so the, 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 the better verse for that better concept there is really Ephesians 6, where it talks about standing your ground. That's more of the thing. If you're, you have a ba- battle to fight, you, you, uh, you, know, you, you, you take up your shield of— Faith and you're blessed by your righteousness and the sword of truth, and you stand your ground. And that, and, and that the, the word that he's using for stand is a military term. It's talking about, uh, you, you know, uh, holding ground in a battle. That you're 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 protecting that uh, from an attack that's coming in. That's a very important concept. It's a very good concept. But what Jed was talking about is uh, this is sort of a taking an idea of faith and mixing in positive thinking and wishing and all these other kind of things and making a mishmash. But here's the part that we get lost in here, is you should have faith in the things God said he would do. Yep. If he didn't say he would do it... You're not meant to have faith. You're not meant to have faith in that. You see what I'm saying? That you really want God to give you this thing... And then you claim it yeah. does not mean that God has to give it to you. Yes. You know, because we're not living in that world. That's not— That's, that's magical the, thinking. That's right. 
Uh, God is not in you're you do not control God into giving you things because you claim them. That <laughs> let's throw that right on out. Uh, here's the thing, and, and this is really important. Uh, earlier today, uh, uh, myself and and Pete Lawson from from our staff, we were doing sort of a really quick um, uh, passing by a church uh, uh, to uh, see some people there and uh, give them some encouragement. And and they they were talking about our ministry uh, with us. And they were expressing how impressed they were with what we do and how long we've been doing it and how consistent we are and how effective it is. And in fact, uh, uh, one of the guys who is there is a, a real leader within uh, that uh, denomination said, uh, you probably don't think I really mean that as much as I really do mean it. You know, I could tell from the look in your face, you're not absorbing how much I mean that. And that's no, no, I, I get it, I do, and thank you for it. And we got in the car on the way home, and I said, you know, the thing is, I'm talking to Pete, and I said, the thing is, they didn't see all the failures that happened before this. Right. If I had declared victory in all over all of those things, A, they would have failed anyway because they didn't know what I was doing, and B, I would have uh, gone into some sort of weird depression where yep. I would have to go back into some sort of weird denial to get over that depression yep. in order to claim another victory or whatever. <laughs> You know, here's what I needed to claim, is I needed to claim uh, uh, some wisdom that God had set aside for me that I didn't access earlier. You know, when I have problems, you know, th- th- in other words, uh, a certain amount of failure uh, gives us uh, a wisdom, it gives us a bit of character, it gives us a bit of understanding, it, it, it tests us, it matures us, all of those kinds of things. So I think uh, uh, trying to just win at everything and having victory, 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 uh, uh, that's excluding the possibility that God wants to take you through a time of failure in mm-hmm. order to teach you something. Now, yes, you, you, you can claim uh, that God has, again, that God has wisdom for me. You can claim, or what I hate that word, but you can see where I'm going with that. You can You can say, okay, you know, God... God has joy for me even in the midst of this uh, failure and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's sort of a point there, but uh, what this is really getting us into is a, is a sort of a dangerous territory that the only thing between success and failure is me just saying, just declaring it to be so. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And I think that we can end on that. It ties back to that idea of you talking about, are, people, are we focusing on giving you what you need for the battle or are we skipping uh, kind of over the battle part because as as Glenn pointing out um, as all these guys have said we have no idea of no, no way of knowing who your pastor is what he believes what he's actually preaching but here's what we can tell you if, if things are going wrong in your life and the only answer is we well, should have had more faith mm. uh, this is bad pastoring and if we get to the point where the way you can prove faith is how much money you put in the plate in this place yeah mm. that's a hustle yeah. We that's, can guarantee you of that that's planting a seed of faith Matt. yes you can you can get the the Blue and yellow make green, mm-hmm. so we make sure that the wash that the blessing doesn't come out of your wash rag of faith, which is a real thing yep. that you've encountered. So again, as in a lot of these things, it's hard to parse out the exact words, but we can easily look at the outcomes these kind of people are looking for. As Glenn's pointing out here, if it's someone telling you this is a hard thing before you, there are hard things you need to do. God's going to give you what you need for those hard things. That's cool. If someone's telling you, no, nah, it's no big deal. Just have faith. That's really not anywhere close to what's in the Bible. So that's mm-hmm. when we start. That's when we start church shopping. Yep, yep no doubt. All right, yep. move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, "I don't know how to enjoy life with God." Like in Ecclesiastes, where he talks about enjoying life with gusto, I don't understand what's the difference between that and following your own desires. Like I spent the summer doing what I wanted, and it wasn't satisfying at all. So how do you enjoy the good things in life? that God gave you the way it was meant to be. And Glenn, why don't you start us off here? Well, I think uh, the key thing is to recognize, uh, you know, what is satisfying within us and and where these hungers really come from and what, uh, you know, you you want to enjoy life with God. But um, the the problem is that uh, our flesh is not satisfied. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, if I drink a glass of water, it may be very refreshing, mm-hmm. but I will get thirsty again later. So I am—I cannot be fully satisfied. It might be the most delicious uh, 
wine that's the most expensive wine in the world, and the taste will last on my taste buds for a few seconds, and I will say, "Wow, that was really neato," and then I'm going to get thirsty again. Yep. There's no, there's no, there's no satisfaction to that, and. So trying to seek satisfaction in those things is a fool's errand. Yeah. It, n- it never happens. The same is true for our egos, for our sense of self. You know, uh, you could say, if I had this uh, college degree, I would really feel good about myself. I feel like I accomplished something. I can point to something. There's a piece of paper on the wall that says, I did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I paid tens of thousands of dollars for that piece of paper. And I spent a lot of time binging and purging that information uh, so that I could say that I have it. Mm-hmm. And that if I have that, I will feel great about myself. Or if I have this job, or if I have this race, or if I have this girlfriend, or if I have this car, I will feel really good about myself. Uh, and it never never works. Ego is never satisfied. You, it mm-hmm. always needs to be a little bit more. Uh, so uh, it's about recognizing that, that the essential you is spirit, and therefore mm-hmm. you can only be satisfied by the things of the spirit. That means... Uh, receiving joy instead of uh, you know uh, claiming happiness or whatever yeah. that is from the last. You gotta question. claim your happiness, bro. Yeah, you know it. Uh, re- receive the things that God is is giving: joy, peace, patience, love. These are the things that 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 um, fill us to the fullest, and, and in fact, fill us so much that they can spill out of our lives into other people's lives, as, as Scripture tells us. But uh, I'm going to steal something from Jed because he's always stealing stuff from me and and, and only rarely giving me credit. It's Not true. that you're better. <laughs> Not that I'm better. Sure. Uh, but one of the things Jed has said that, you know, when you get to the point where you absolutely need something, you can't enjoy that thing. And I think that's absolutely true, that uh, addicts don't enjoy the thing that they're addicted to. In fact, mm-hmm. they often bitterly resent that this that they're tied to this thing and they can't get away from it. Uh, if you need this uh, job to make you feel good, if you n- need this thing to, you know, whatever it is, uh, you you can't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can be you can go from dying of thirst to having enough for now, but that's it. Yeah. You know, you can go from negative to to neutral, but you can't you can't get into the positive off of that. So it's about uh, going beyond those physical cravings, going beyond those things to explore what is a life of the spirit? What does mm-hmm. that really uh, entail? What is it about? I think these other guys can give you more details uh, on that. But uh, I think uh, uh, exploring uh, areas of fellowshipping in a way that you may not uh, be getting at church are important. Uh, finding other ways of worshiping that might be different. I think there's, if you can get where I'm going with this, I think a lot of people rely on church or youth group or their fellowship group or whatever to to do the driving on mm-hmm. that and to provide mm-hmm. all the structure and motivation for that. And then you come in and you it just is kind of all laid out for you, and then you just participate in that, and then you should have everything you need from that. Uh, I think uh, the church part should just be the icing on the cake and that uh, you, everything else should be fulfilled by then. But mm-hmm. I'll let these other guys expand on all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lee, I'd love you to pick this up for us here. And I think one of the other things we need to unravel here um, before we get to this point is um, why doing the thing we kind of feel like we want to do would not be satisfying, how that's yeah. done, not a thing that brings joy and that kind of piggybacks exactly on uh, Glenn saying here about kind of spirit and flesh stuff, but maybe you can unpack that for us. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very, very strange thing that I think that all of us can kind of, well, everybody that's honest can kind of admit that we've been to this place, which is um, if I was to design my own best day, I wouldn't enjoy it as like half as much as I think I would want to or half as much as I thought I would enjoy it. So if you were to just say, all right, you've got, you've got a whole weekend to yourself, uh, just, you know, custom fit the whole thing to, to just, uh, you know, to equal your greatest joy. Well, you know, people would start going nuts and start designing all this stuff. This is, this is everything I like. And I'm just going to stack the deck on my own personal happiness. And then you do it. And after a couple hours, you're bored. 
Yep. And the weird thing is, and you've heard Glenn say this on the podcast before, if you've if you've been listening for a while, and it's so true, it's true of all four of us guys on the show, is the stuff that 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 the Lord has called us to, the stuff that we do for Him, this is like. This is the stuff that we crazy enjoy, like yeah. big, big time. I mean, the you know the the scraps that we get into ministry wise, the adventures that the Lord has us on, the the people that we meet, the the the, the stuff that we get involved in, just following the Lord. Um, th- this is the stuff that that just it lights us up. You know, this is the stuff that where you get in the middle of this and and you are alive, man. Mm-hmm. This is like where you are you are absolutely. Alive, and the funny thing is that even though most of us, <laughs> most of us have had that experience exactly as you're saying, of man, I did everything I wanted to, and I was bored out of my mind. And yet, even though that's true, and the other thing's true of, and then I do this other thing that the Lord's called me into, and I love it so much. Even still, we'd still love to stack the deck and create our own personal, customized greatest day ever kind of deal. Um, we still can't get down with the fact that. We're not very good at fun on our own. Um, we're not very good at uh, our own deepest satisfaction on our own. We don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. Yeah. The, the really interesting thing to me, you bring up the book of Ecclesiastes. The really interesting thing to me about Ecclesiastes is basically this dude comes down to, he's saying like, he says, I've tried everything and all of it is meaningless. Everything that people think will give you personal happiness and pleasure and satisfaction, I've done it all to 11, and it was all stupid. And then he gets to this thing where he says, you know what? You know what's good? Um, Take what God has given you, give thanks for it, and enjoy it. And he specifically says, your wife, your food, your house, your work. Now, the reason that I think that's a super important thing, he puts this emphasis on your. And I think that one of the one of the toughest things that you can't really talk somebody into this. And so in some ways, it's like, even as I say this, I feel like I'm wasting my breath. This is a journey that everybody has to go through on their own and get to. But uh, the Bible talks about this in the Old and New Testament, specifically in Ecclesiastes, with the emphasis on the word your, your work, your house, your wife, your food, that kind of stuff is... When you get to the place of contentment, deciding God is smart, God has given me a life on purpose because he knows what he's doing, and God has some great things in store for me, and he's brilliant, and when I do this his way, I am most deeply satisfied, and and I find out who I am and my place in this world. If I can get to that place of learning contentment, then I'm going to have satisfaction, not only in my downtime and my day off, but in the things that I'm called to with the Lord and in my work and in the things that, that make my life my life. It's it's not a process that I can give you kind of the linchpin. This is how you do it. You do this, it's going to flip the switch. You're going to have contentment and joy in everything that you do. It's a process that we're all working through. And getting to the place where we find out, Lord, what have you called me into? What makes me feel alive? What's my burden? And would you help open the doors to help me understand what it means to enjoy and to be thankful for the things that you've given me, knowing that you know my heart, you know my life, you made me this way on purpose, and you know what you're doing. The Lord has earned that kind of trust with us, with the way that he's treated us, but it's a process to go through to kind of learn contentment and to learn what it what it looks like to trust the Lord on that he knows what he's doing. For sure, that's an absolutely uh, important point there. And Jed, maybe you can uh, take us out with this idea of, as both Lee and Glenn are talking about, a lot of this is going to be a process of discovery, of learning things that work for you, that don't work for you, as our friend of the question is done. But a place we need to land on is um, defining what is satisfying and then moving towards that, right? Totally, totally. Well, I think, um, and, and Lee and Glenn have both given some really good kind of high-level stuff. I'd like to give you kind of a practical thing, and that is to to begin by saying there are things that sound like you'll enjoy them, and there are things that you'll actually enjoy. Right. Those are not the same things. Um, right. We have a we have a pizza place here in the states called Sabaros that's in like every mall in America, and I've eaten using the term pizza quite loosely. That's the thing. I've eaten their pizza many many times. It's terrible. 
Mm-hmm. It's never good. I mm-hmm. It's overpriced and bad, and I always regret it. And I don't know what kind of voodoo they're working, but every time I see a Sbarro's, I go, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I, 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 I can go for style, that. Huh? I can really go for a slice. Yeah. Only $8.50. That's a steal. <laughs> <laughs> Take two at that price. Well, this is the thing. Life is Sbarro's. Um, life is filled with things like, man, that sounds so good. That, I could totally go for yeah. that. Even though you know it won't work. Yeah. You know this is... By, by contrast, I mean, to keep the food analogy going, every time I eat sushi, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, that's really good and really tasty. It's actually pretty good for you. It's really satisfying. I feel really good about it. But I'm almost never like, you know, I could really go for sushi. Right. Now, I'm right. in the right. mood for Sbarro's, dude. Right, right. Every right. time. Right. 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 Yeah. Even though it won't work and sushi will. That's just, right. that's kind of life. So I think the th- part of the practical living out for you, you said in your question, I spent the summer doing what I wanted and it wasn't satisfying at all. If, you, if you're open to an alteration, I would say you spent your summer doing what sounded like. Right. What you wanted to do, yes, that's and right. it wasn't satisfying at all. Yeah, um, I don't think you were doing what you wanted to do. I think you're doing yeah. what sounded like what you wanted to do. Yeah. Those are two different things. We've got to explore and we've got to try stuff because um, what we're going to find is some things in life are sabaros and some things are sushi. Some things sound like a great idea and then they're not. And other things are like, I don't know, but you get into it. Like, Man, this is awesome. You know, when I first got involved, these guys are talking about serving others as a part of that and it should definitely be part of it. When I first got involved as a volunteer with The Bridge, it was like an hour and 15 minute drive each way for me to get there through the height of rush hour traffic in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was not an easy thing to do. And, um, there was part of me that was trying to talk myself out of going literally every week. It's like, man, mm-hmm. it's gonna be such a pain to get down there. And it's so long and it's, you know, the traffic is terrible, but I knew I would love it if I went, right. I, right. Yeah, this is the thing I knew it would be, you know, fantastic. So I think the thing that's before you is, there are things in life that you will feel that way about. There are things mm-hmm. that you will go and do, and that was awesome. I would, I would love to do that again. Some of them will involve serving other people, but some of them will just be you enjoying yourself. You know, mm-hmm. that could be, you know, when I, when I go for, you know, a hike out in the woods, man, I just love doing that. Whatnot. Catalog those things. And then it's about choosing those things over the things that sound like they would be good, right. Right. But, are, but are not. Yeah. That's at least how you, it's part of how you, in a practical sense, begin this process, is finding the things that, do feel satisfying when you do them, that are enjoyable when you do them, that you do get something out of, and then choosing to do those things regardless of what your appetite in any given moment says. Mm-hmm. I think the, the more you go down that road, the more you'll get a sense of how to live this out Yeah, better. sort of about paying attention to the how you feel afterwards as opposed to the yep. craving and how do you feel Exactly bored, right. You know? it's, yeah. it's the question, will I be glad I made this decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And to tie it into the, you know, uh, specifically this person asking, you know, how do I live life with the Lord? It's basically the exact same thing. You'd apply it to Jesus-y stuff, man. Yep. So says so says, you know, we're all going to, we you got the small group and we're going to meet at 830 before church and we're going to talk about our lives. You say, that sounds awful, quite <laughs> frankly. Every part of that sounds very like something I wouldn't enjoy. Go try it. Right. Yeah. And as Glenn is saying, don't focus on the fact that it's 830. Don't focus on the fact that you feel weird and do. At the end, say, do I feel even slightly better for doing this enough to give it the next stop? And that's, you mm-hmm. know, right. they're going to do the board game night. That's where we're all going to go, you know, hand out blankets under the overpass. Anything that you can conceivably give a shot that has any tie into something, you say, I can see how that might make me feel like I'm doing this whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start to get kind of a, a scent for what those things are. And it'll become easier and easier to find. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com or tell you the song this week. We have another one of our pool house guru Ooh, sermon sweet. remixes. Fancy. This is a, uh, one of our uh, quickly emerging favorite bridge pastors, this is a pastor called Donald Douglas from city point community church here on the near South side of Chicago. And the pool house guru descended, from his mountaintop musical fortress to Mm. remix this sermon for us. And the title is Come Home to Him. So we hope you enjoy that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, pivot subspace aliens, I assume, are good people. Jesus has called all of us to be vulnerable before him. Not only me as a pastor... Even the people that we preach to Because he needs this message Preached in your house He needs you to go home And tell your family Come Because his yoke is easy And his burden is light 
come. Plus this yoke is easy and this burden is light. The reason it's important to God, because God says he doesn't want you to be stuck. He doesn't want you to be stuck in that place for the rest of your life. He wants you to come home to him because there's a promise that God has for you and me. He says that he wants you to come to him. And this is what Vola really looks like. Jesus says, come all who are heavy laden and burdened and I'll give you rest. He says that his yoke is easy. He says, take this yoke that you have on your back right now and put it down and put on his yoke. His yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. Because there's a promise that God has for you and me. Because there's a promise that God has for you and me. But God has called you and I to open up. Because he has a need for your heart. And in order for him to get into you, your heart's going to have to be laid out before him. And you're going to have to become very vulnerable. You know, we have to live with each other. We have to coexist. And in order for us to coexist, we got to tear down some walls. We got to tear down some barriers. We got to tear down these things that separate and divide us. Because those things that have been erected like that, have been erected like that for a sole purpose to separate us by the enemy. And this enemy is not your enemy. He's the enemy of God. And he comes in all kinds of forms. He comes in all kinds of shapes, colors, sexes. In Romans 12 and 2, I need you to be transformed. I need you to change your way of thinking. I, I need you to change your way of living. Okay? Because you've been vulnerable to the wrong thing. I need you to open up to me. I need you to be vulnerable for me. I need you to come home to me. I need you to be transformed. I need you to change your way of thinking. I, I need you to change your way of living. Okay? Because you've been vulnerable to the wrong thing. I need you to open up to me. I need you to be vulnerable for me. I need you to come home to me. I need you to be vulnerable for me. I need you to come home to me.